Welcome to the Third Space Podcast, episode number 47. Did you enjoy the jingle again? We decided we're keeping that jingle. It's just too good. Uh, we can't we can't top it, so we're keeping it. Anyway, in this episode, Daniel and I discuss his sickness with COVID again. Again. This is the second time he's had COVID. Thankfully, this time it wasn't, wasn't that bad, so we spend a little bit of time discussing COVID and the mask wearing that still is happening, apparently. Uh, And then Daniel turns the tables on me. In a previous episode a long time ago, I think it was episode 8, I made him defend poetry by testing him with uh, made-up poems. This time, he asked me to defend poetry, or at least to assess the value of poetry. And that makes up the bulk of our discussion. It doesn't sound riveting, but there's some funny parts in there. So if you enjoy discussion on that kind of thing, please give it a listen. Anyway, take it away. Jingle again. Third Space Podcast. 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 The slight delay. (laughs) Oh, is it really starting? And you were slightly behind me, and I couldn't even hold it. We'll get better next time. But that, that, oh man, I love that intro. I just, you know, if there's ever any technical difficulties, we should just play Play it. You know, I think it's fantastic. Yeah, we no more jingles at the beginning for me. Like, like made up jingles. Like, no, like I just love it. Robots came for our jingle intro. And next, they're yeah. coming for your job. But for now, it's yeah. just a jingle intro. They yep. took it, and I hand it over gladly because they're, they're just better. doing a better job Our robot than I. Overboard. They're just superior yeah. to me. We said we were going to do a different jingle every time, but after that jingle, no. That's the it's jingle. It's the jingle to end all jingles. That like, is... We're just saying, why would we... Why would, when, you, when the perfection's achieved, like, it's not a... You know, grass is always meaner or whatever. No. I want to stay nice. I don't. We don't need a mean grass. We have, grass is always meaner. We have nice grass on this side of yeah. the third space <laughs> podcast. Yeah, we do. So uh, good. Yeah. Uh, so you want to know something interesting? Um, last time you may have heard me coughing a few times, and uh-huh. uh, then I went like it really not noteworthy like. Like, I am a baby when I get sick. I whine. It's more that, it's not that I have a low pain tolerance. It's more that I really like to articulate my experiences frequently mm-hmm. to the point that surprises people. Like, like as an adult, getting in, if I get intoxicated a little bit, I like to articulate precisely how I'm feeling, which would almost resemble someone that's like, is it the first time he's ever drank before? It's like, no, I just, I like examining and talking about things. So when I get sick, it comes across as whiny, but it's more like, it's interesting when you're in a different physical state. And certainly it is whiny because when you're sick, it doesn't feel good. Mm-hmm. So I wasn't even at this low threshold of talking about it, you right. know? Like I will annoy Danielle and be like, oh, I got a cough. I wonder, I'm, I'm monitoring it. I'll let you know if it gets... But I hadn't even brought it up with her. Right. And so I went to bed, um, broke out in a sweat, but I'd eaten like a 10 
full of uh, cinnamon rolls. And sometimes when I eat really poorly and go to sleep, I yeah. my body gets Especially hot. Especially a lot like, of sugar and carbs. Yeah, so or really meats. Hot. Yeah, the yeah, meat yeah. sweats or the sugar sweats or whatever. And so I was like, I don't know. But I did feel icky in conjunction. It was like, it was like, it was that feverish sweat, sweat that's a little different than a meat sweat, I would say. Okay. And so I took my temperature and I usually run a little low, like in the 90, high 97s. And I was at 100.4. So I was like, I'm taking today off. Ugh. Um, well, Danielle had been randomly sent some COVID tests like two or three weeks ago from the government. It was almost like it was this delayed. I, I don't know. We just got it. We thought this is weird. It is she, weird. She didn't order them. They just showed no. up. No. No. Well, back back when the pandemic had broken out, like they sent us some, and I talked to other people. Like I remember, it was a little bit of a conversation of like, "Did you get yours?" And I was like, "Yeah, we got ours." But this was the same like packaging of tests. I but, thought you had you to know, like just like opt-in i thought you had to like oh you know what i did actually someone sent out an email and all i had to do was click a button and oh, got them. so you're okay. right like a year ago or whatever two years ago man, well they're just showing weird. up well that's no, good no, I, no I got those <laughs> just in time to save your life no that. the government sent those to me oh. pretty quick like within you know uh, a month or whatever right. um and then danielle got some recently we're like why did we get these i don't know what what's going on but we just shoved them in a drawer and so since I was feeling poor, she said, you should take this. I really didn't want to. I was like, oh, well, but I did. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I had COVID. And she was fine. She'd work, woken up, done her workout. I had said, I'm not feeling up to a workout or whatever, which is a big deal for me. I like to work out. It's like, it really like centers me for the day. So for me to say no to a workout is not at this point like a lazy, ah, I think I'll just cut myself a break. It means like, oh, like. I like am really not feeling good because I if I'm feeling sort of iffy I'll just take it easy during my workout but this was a definite like I'm not I'm not going to work uh, and yeah I tested positive and she did too um, uh, <coughs> so and you guys I, are just not hip COVID is well, so 2021 yeah you're right you know we're just late we're late to the party in how, the how many times has have you had it now two or three two um i mean i suspect early on i got the sickest i've been in my adult life uh, and i thought it was the flu and i went in um and they tested me for flu this was in december of 2020 i guess it'd be 2019 right it was it was 2020 yeah. when I, so it was 2019 december and i got tested and it came back negative but I, she said i had classic flu symptoms right. um my body was so tender and raw like to put it to, like i didn't want to be touched like the shirt on my back hurt the hair the, like when i when i put water on my head like when i showered that's a weird way to, you know when you're getting that you're getting that <laughs> that t- water chamber <laughs> that weird that water chamber and put water on your head it, it hurt <laughs> um and so that's how bad that was. And they just, and I've tested negative for the flu, which made me feel like a wimp. You know, I wanted something like, I wanted them to say, no, it's a severe case of the flu. Yeah. And they just said, well, sometimes you test negative, but you have it anyway. She's like, you clearly do. And got me some, I don't know, like yeah, thermoflu, theraflu, I don't know, some something. Um, so then, I, and then in Christmas of 2021, I got it. Yeah, that's when I got like, it. Like officially, me. yeah, and you got it for me. And you basically were fine. And yeah. I, and I, uh, I had like You're two days sick. that were really bad, um, and then and then it went from really bad, like above average sickness, but uh, like he- the headaches. And then this time was uh, just a headache, a uh, mild cough. And like enough to be a, like a frustrating when you're trying to sleep, cause, but mm-hmm. nothing like, not even what I would call a bad cold. I would rather have a bad cold, uh, or excuse me, I would rather have, the, I would rather have co- this 
this iteration of COVID that I experienced than a bad cold. Bad cold like disrupts sleep more and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I had to stay home from work on Monday and Friday. I, I was going to stay home no matter what. Um, if I were making choices on my own, I would have been on in the uh, gray area on Monday of whether to take off or just kind of power through. Let's, you know, and, but they said I had to stay home through Tuesday, uh, and I've been wearing a mask yesterday and today. That uh, sucks. Which is oh, That's, it really sucks. It's like a, it's a scarlet letter. It's totally the scarlet letter. Not, like, not, I am better, and like not only does it ma- suck, it's stupid. Like it, it doesn't make sense. Like at this point, it's astonishing that that's still a rule like we we clearly know by now well firstly if if you would rather have uh, a cold than covid then covid is not serious enough to warrant you know major changes to you know our procedures at this point and we know that it doesn't stop the transmission of covid like we know that now it's clear no one has shown that it stops the transmission of covid so it's ridiculous to it is. To, to require it now. And then all the knock-on problems of not being able to see people's faces and all that stuff. All that still applies. And it's applies. frustrating. Like, and then I, like, you know, we had a lunch And people probably for... see you now, and if they're like me, they think, what a wimp. You know, what a loser wearing his mask. That's what, one of two things. They're either thinking, like, well, it's it's the scarlet letter of, oh, my... Like, if you're, if you're a fearful type, you go, oh, my God, he's had it recently, and I should stay away. Or right. if you didn't notice, I just started wearing it, you just think... You just kind of, I mean, not to be mean. Okay, there's a couple reasons when I see someone with a mask. I mean, I guess the if I'm giving the most gracious presumption of goodwill is that A, they believe it works, and B, there's someone like immunocompromised that, that they're trying to protect like close in their family. Sure. And like that's the, that's the best reading I can give you. Other than that, it gets into like, it's a security blanket for your face. And look, and I have all the empathy in the world for like students that are like, like, misfits and like you of know the, like sure. i have a, a good heart for it so but like but but I that's not a good that, solution like, this is not a good solution but and, and they're basically signaling to the world yeah like i'm not doing that well right. uh you know yeah um so i worry that when i'm wearing mine uh that i might be sig- signaling to others that i'm not doing that well you know sure instead of uh hey work work is sort of forcing this on me and i'm not like i'm not mad at my school uh but I, I can be. I'm just. I'm not gonna put energy into it other yeah, than just a quick gripe. I'm just like, okay, I wore it for, you know, these couple of days, and like, okay, like I'm done. Like whatever. I'm. I, it's just. I, I'm not gonna fight the man on this yeah, one. I'm just I, doing it, and like that was kind of my attitude. I think when we examined everything, and that was my attitude. It was just yeah. sort of, well, you know, I'm abdicating responsibility. But like, I don't know. It's just not. I'm not fighting it. And uh, I think I, think I could that, nobly do so, but I, I don't know. I, don't I, I think that that attitude is more appropriate now than it than it was previously now we're obviously on the downslope and this is this making people wear masks is now outside the norm behavior that i think most people at least most americans would go really you're seriously doing that and so now that's the norm before that it was the upslope right we were on the push and it was how far are they going to take this like how authoritarian and stupid are things going to get and so at that point I've I've personally felt like it was you know the responsible thing to do to to push back as much as possible and to say I'm not gonna abide by this. Um, now it's just now it's just kind of like I'm not worried about it picking up uh, again um, and getting getting to the same level at least not 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 until the next COVID you know until the next time they try to do. I mean, like the tr- yeah, the the truth is, too, that I got the sort of once I emailed the nurse and said, hey, like, here's, you know, weirdly, she wanted a picture of my positive test to like send 
off uh, and asked my birthday and stuff. Send off to where? To like, they're still tracking numbers. Like the like state is, I don't know, weird, right? So uh, fine, whatever, here's my information. And then she sent kind of a blanket email of like, here's what you do when you return, you wear the mask or you take these five, you take five days quarantine and then whatever, 10 with the mask. And and I'm like, um, but I have a feeling like, I'm not going to push it because look, whatever, you're the boss, I'll wear my mask. But I just don't even think anyone cares, no, like even no the people enforcing. They just sent the email, they're good, you know. And so, um, right. That's, like, the, just that, think, that's yeah. the thing that's annoying about, like, just looking back, no one really cares. They, they don't care about what's actually dangerous, what's actually harmful, what actually makes sense. They don't care about the, the actual science or the actual transmission of particles or anything like that. They just care about covering their asses. That's all. Like, all the way from the top, it was all just about cover covering my ass, make sure I'm not yeah. the one on the chopping block and getting fired. Like, that's all it, it is, and that's all it remains. It, or or well, making sure my virtue remains intact, you know. At the lowest well, yeah, level, if you just and some of some of there is virtue signaling, but you're right that a lot. I think a lot of uh, I don't know if you want to call it corporate America or just like how businesses run. Administrative oh, yeah. job is just sort of, hey, let's cover our ass. Like a lot of work is CYA. Yes. Like it's like this is how we're going to behave. This is our protocol, and this is all CYA. And when you think about the energy. And, and some of it's for good reasons. Say uh, we have to have a fire drill once a month by like martial, fire martial law. I think that's what, fire martial law. <laughs> <laughs> um, but like, and then we go through the motions and we do it, you know. Sure. Um, and we, and, and, but like, so that's, that's a, or we're even open, like a, a sh- open shooter drill and, or like I have to take little watch videos and answer a quiz on airborne pathogens and <laughs> like I uh, they'll send us little emails then we take uh, cyber uh, criminal mm-hmm. activity quizzes and and then there's just like you know me- all the meetings and stuff that are like essentially well I guess any I guess that's not CYA stuff. That's more just like here yeah. are the operations. Well, you know so. how I've talked before about, I mean, it's not a unique thought by any means, but the easy path. And just culturally, we have a problem with people always taking the easy path, um, always taking the path of least resistance, whatever whatever they can do to spend the least energy. This is a universal thing, but I think that this cover your ass mentality is the corporate version of taking the easy path. Like it, they, they would rather do the minimal amount of actual work, new things, new development, new policies, effective procedures. They would rather just do the minimum, foist the responsibility off on someone else and say, well, it's not a problem anymore. We covered, we covered, we covered ourselves. So, but at least maybe, maybe it's not so bad because maybe the, well, you can see the bad, how, how it can play out poorly because all of a sudden we're wearing masks or this pageantry of safety or whatever you want to call it instead of actually addressing possibly you know better methods. But a lot of it, if it is airborne pathogens in schools, like I've not dealt with like a kid bleeding all over me before, but yet I've watched a video twice a year for 11 <laughs> years. So 
Like that's that's a lot of energy put into something that's never happened. But that's but right. it is a severe issue if it does. If a kid's you know bleeding all over me and in my eyes, I need to know. Or at least, like <laughs> you know. Uh, so like, and what do I do then? Your, Don't your, ask me. I forget. Your like, English you, lesson you, has gone terribly awry. Yeah, like something's gone awry. <laughs> Very funny. It is a weird thought. Like, how did we get here? <laughs> like, um, or or eerie things. Like, I mean, some of these open shooter like trainings I I did where like I'd have to listen to different sounds and identify what are they gunshots or were they just like you know other noise books dropping and or pow pow you know like yeah. just, you know so I don't kinda, know I some, don't know how I feel about that I mean like but I got oh, but my point uh, sorry I, I got away from my point my point was that like a lot of these things like are uh, like airborne pathogens or something. there might actually be some better methods but no one's like. Everyone's just like, just circulate that same video from yeah, 1986 that's the and yeah. like, you know, that, that's, the, that's what a, I was it's because it's unsexy and it's boring and the school actually wants to put their energy toward more important things, you know, like on, yeah. they're not going to say that. They're going to say it's, it's important, but like, it's not that important. And that's why we're not putting energy into it. So my, that's Fair actually enough. the case I'm making. It's like, there's a, there's a positive spin on like, good, you're not putting your energy into the kind of like boring, crappy stuff. You're just kicking the can on the boring, crappy stuff, and trying to be innovative. In the, and yeah. it's just an exertion of your. I guess that's a way. A that is place. a way to look at it. I mean, in my, you know, my my response to that would be do it right or don't do it at all. Um, yeah, if kind it's of not thing. But but I get this. I get your point. Like that's fine. And like honestly, when it comes to things like training, I get it. Like you want your your employees or whoever, whatever population of people you're dealing with, to be educated. It's the the issue is just that you want, <laughs> I mean, you want the education to be correct, <laughs> you know. Yeah. And like, yeah. there there is that principle you brought up with like, yeah, you haven't had any student bleeding into your eyes, you know, before. In fact, I wager that you haven't even been close to that situation, and yet you've watched twenty two videos about it over the course of your career, <laughs> which just seems like a a little bit ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, and it's oh. often the same video, so I've probably only seen three videos, you know? <laughs> I'm bleeding out. I'm bleeding out. That's exsanguinating, Johnny. Exsanguinating. E-X-H-A. <laughs> Pretty funny. Yeah. So anyway, uh, uh, this COVID, is a week. COVID day. Yeah, a week from having COVID, and I feel uh, like, yeah, I still have a little bit of a cough, but not even, like, a disruptive amount. And, you know, I'm re- I, I didn't miss a podcast. How about that? How about so. that? Weekly, baby... <laughs> Yeah, nailing, yeah. It. <laughs> nailing it. Um, speaking of uh, lessons and things like that, uh, I, when I was telling you about having COVID, I even yeah. oh, one of the points was that during I had like a lunch meeting just to go over you know like what we're teaching and you know good good meetings and stuff and sure. so like, they were like ah take your mask off because I was eating right and and they even someone referenced they didn't say the pageantry of safety but they said the showmanship or I don't know some other it was it was like yeah. Yeah, IG. like, well, it, they were acknowledging, like, ah, I don't care, uh, and so no one right. cares. Right, right. Um, but the meeting itself was, we we're going to be teaching a poetry unit upcoming, and it got me thinking, you, you and I have discussed poetry, and I in some ways it's low. I a poet. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you wrote a poem, and... and, and That's all it takes, is... Well, you, if you have written a poem, a poem, then you're a poet. If you've written words down and I, declared a poet, you can declare it a poem, I and you can be a poet. <laughs> I am a poet. Okay, so that's a good intro because our talk around poetry it generally is teasing and makes fun of it a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, 
But I would dare say if you would put the the joking aside for a second, you would probably maybe maybe I'm wrong, but like you would say there's some like I see the value in poetry. But I really wanted to press you on like what is your what are your serious thoughts on poetry? And I wanted to start like kind of way back and just ask like, okay, well is poetry valuable like what what is what is it like because there's prose and then there's poetry so it's like your normal writing and this thing we uh are like elevated i guess linguistically or structurally or it's unusual in a way that we just mm. sort of call it poetry and then mm. and then oh google's talking to me hey google stop <laughs> shut up <laughs> she does that sometimes she was giving me the definition of unusual um, but sometimes she'll just go she'll just she'll we'll be sitting there and she'll just go i'm sorry <laughs> like I, I messed up or whatever she follows that i'm sorry that's i can't i can't talk right now it's like no we're not we're not, I'm not okay talking to you fine. anyway <laughs> like, but, but out <laughs> yeah it really ticks off danielle in a pretty funny way that like, is funny really mad at it um all right. But, so, what is yeah, poetry? poetry? What what is it? And do you do you actually have some respect for it? And have you ever read mm. anything that made you like like? So, I'll just kind of let you take it away. What is poetry? Hmm. Okay. Interesting questions. Yeah. So, pro- and, and I'm trying to remove the humor kind of thing. Like, yeah, trying you to want get me to be thing. boring about it? I got <laughs> Yeah. Be be very boring. About um. So, all right. So let's see. What is poetry? It's a complicated question because it's like asking what is art in a way and yeah, people define art differently you know modern art could be paint splatters and i don't really think that that counts you know as i may it's all about semantics so poetry can go the same way because you can have quote unquote poetry that doesn't rhyme doesn't have structural limitations and maybe it's just a couple of sentences and some pictures of leaves around the words and people call that poetry you know so like right. But but for the purposes for the purposes of this assessment, I'm going to consider poetry to have some sort of predictable structural rules, like you know your iambic pentameter kind of stuff, um, okay. or limericks or whatever. It, I'm I'm going to say it doesn't have to rhyme, but of course, in my personal opinion, it's not really a good poem unless it rhymes. Um, okay. And that's not like a humorous opinion. That's actually just, what you you just are like, yeah, make it rhyme. Like put some work into it. To, if if to, it doesn't rhyme to me, and I know this isn't the official way that it's recognized, but if it doesn't rhyme, it's just prose written in a funny way, like funny as an odd. Like it's just putting some constraints on your prose. Like when it becomes a poem, it rhymes. Uh, even even if it's just like two of the lines rhyme in there as long as there's some something that hints to the reader that it's like okay this is more than just taking my prose and putting it in you know an odd format uh and putting commas where i wouldn't normally put commas kind (laughs) of thing you know because otherwise it just seems in this it's analogous to the paint splatters in art like okay you're just calling it poetry uh you're just calling it art um so obviously that depends on you know the person looking at it or reading it what how they define it I, I mean i don't know that i don't know that you can objectively say this is a poem or this is not a poem i mean that's kind of how you handled your micro poetry phrase phase right so yeah yeah um, well so yeah, rhyming but, like but does rhyming risk well when I see rhyming i i don't know if it's because of dr seuss or i don't know what but like potential 
it, it, it can be a good avenue for humor. It can be really satisfying, especially if there's a misdirection and you rhyme in a way that's unexpected. But um, does that elevate the potential cheese factor? I mean, I think you know what I'm saying. Yeah, is it like there's I mean, something absolutely. cheesy about rhyming. And why is that? Why, first of all, why is rhyming cheesy? And then like you've now positioned poetry to be like so close to cheesy. <laughs> I mean, I think... I think the serious answer, why is poetry cheesy, is because whether by necessity or just convention, it makes the writer, the poet, vulnerable. Usually, poetry has some sort of emotional undertones to it, right? Otherwise, why write it? And it expo- I would say that's a good, big, good point. Like The point is to examine some and emotion or, or yeah feeling. You, you could say that prose some prose not all prose obviously does the same thing it makes the author vulnerable and you know discusses some emotionally relevant topic but usually prose is longer form again not always but usually it is and that makes the emotional parts of it less prevalent overall like proportionally the emotional parts take up less space in prose would you say that's reasonable to say I think so. I mean, I'm just trying to like, I, mean, I don't want picture... to get too abstract and say like everything we write down is trying to take what's inside us and put it out, you know, make the yeah. inside external, internal, make it external. I mean, but there's... Like, and that's vulnerable. But like, mm. I write a story about a dude, like I'm removing myself. Yeah. I mean, obviously a poem can be about a, a, a dude. Like, you know, I can, I can do be, a lot. Yeah. There's lots of action and, you know, things that don't explicitly say this isn't, this is an examination of emotions and feelings, sure. but like, but conventionally, but like really, because that's it's conventionally, it's and out. because the con, because it is condensed, and I would say when you do write, take a whole a novel on the whole or a story on the whole, it is mm-hmm. it is an examination of human yes. feelings or human truth in some way, and it's told through a story. Whereas a poem, because of it, it's condensed, it's condensed, is yeah. often not a whole story or it's just a fragment of a moment. So it's still about. So it's just more clear that it's about emotion. Yeah, it also, I would say it's more think, explicitly about emotion. Yes, I I agree, and so that that's what makes it potentially cheesy, right? Because it's dense. It's densely emotional, oftentimes, and it requires more of the reader than a novel does. A novel, for example, will lead you in. It'll take you, you know, by the figurative hand and lead you through the story, through the plot. You'll experience the emotional parts, but you're kind of immersed in the novel if the author's doing their job right. In a poem, like you said, usually they're not very long, and so it's just a snippet, and so it requires the reader to bring along some of the context, right? Some of their emotional context, and they have to be receptive to what the poem is uh, is giving them, and there's no lead-in. Like a novel, can you can lead into the emotional parts of the story by you know g- getting the reader comfortable with the characters or the setting or whatever, yeah. and, and a poem doesn't have as much space to do that. Are you saying that poetry demands more from the reader in some way? Like they have to bring themselves and be like willing. Like uh, you were saying it is. It's like it's like per, I mean, it's a li- d- t- demands more. I mean, maybe I'm saying readers demand more from poetry. Like I don't know. It's just it's a different form of writing. And I would say also that the smaller the form of writing, the more careful you are with word choice. Sure. Or even if you write a really long novel, you could have whole characters or. S- side quests so to speak that are a little tangential whereas if you have a short poem you've probably refined each phrase and each word and position and each line cut just so for a particular effect whereas that just can't be said about 
you know, thousands of pages. And like, there just might be whole sentences that you're like, yeah, yeah. I mean, I just wrote that quickly. I probably could have said it differently. Yeah, I mean, you know. a, an author of novels will, you know, hire an editor or multiple editors, whereas a poet, I, I mean, I'm not sure if that's the case, right? The, like, I would think an editor, yeah, it wouldn't, it wouldn't fall the same way. You're right. Yeah. Um, so. What was one of your other initial questions? Like, do I respect poetry or is there a reason yeah, to respect like poetry? What's, why not write short prose, short emotional prose? Or, mm. or if you write short emotional prose, it becomes a poem. Um, like, what, what's its utility really? And I, you're, I guess you're starting to answer that with emotion, but yeah. I don't know. I would say, all right, so I have two 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 kind of thoughts on this. One is, yeah, the, the emotional aspect, it's a... You can almost embrace the cheesiness. I mean, we say the word cheesiness, but really embrace that vulnerability, the ability to express an idea or a feeling briefly. I think there's some there's some merit in that, even if it's something that personally doesn't really resonate with me that much. Um, but I think there's some merit in that. The, the one that resonates a little bit more with me is the artistic component. If you consider structuring the English language in a particular way, choosing the right word to convey the right meaning and ordering them in a way that rhymes maybe that's pleasing to the ear i think that has artistic merit um so if you compose a poem that is really catchy and expresses exactly the idea you want that's pretty difficult to to pick the right words out of there's like a hundred words in the english language maybe <laughs> yeah. maybe more picking maybe. like that's like a one percent chance that you're going to pick any one given correct word and <laughs> correct word <laughs> for the spot yeah and so that's pretty low odds and it's hard to make a poem that nails all of that stuff so i think that there's uh, i can respect the skill involved in crafting something like that do you think that's fair or, or do you think i'm missing any uh, any other respectable area of poetry I am giving, I mean, it's kind of a new thought for me to, like, like, I guess I've had an unexamined adoration for it. Like, if I read a good poem, uh, and I just, it's like humanity condensed. And I guess that's why I like books. It's humanity. And it's also condensed, uh, but like, really condensed in a, a good poem. Right. But I have, and, and when you say it to you didn't say demands more of the reader, but I kind of took that away of like, it, it requires you to do something like, like I need to be in the right headspace, or perhaps it's frequently, I, I frequently enjoy a painting or something when I understand the context a bit more. So that I think poetry is often the same. Uh, I feel like I can just read a book and the book should stand on its own. Mm -hmm. uh, paintings are usually enhanced when I learn about the author or the context. And the same is true of poetry. Uh, now, not always, like there can be a, uh, just a really cool looking painting, uh, but oftentimes these details uh, come out that, that are exciting and thrilling to, to unearth the different layers that didn't reveal themselves initially. Uh, and it's also just, a, I find it a joyful as a teaching exercise because we can read the poem three, four times in one class without it getting too dry and, you know, Un un uncover different layers so like as a tool for literary analysis it's excellent because i mean i think it really helps them get those skills and i i love teaching so I, it's close to my heart in that regard um but i i will be honest like 
Well, and I like some spoken word. I will watch spoken word poets for fun, but I won't <laughs> like. <laughs> so yeah, I will. I will just or like I will like st stop and watch a video, but I don't. I don't just frequently. Is our intro jingle a poem? <laughs> uh, sure. It's, it's definitely gotta, art, but is it poetry? It's, it's art. It it's rhymes. Third space podcast rhymes. Third space podcast. That's not a rhyme. It's a, is it, no. Third space podcast rhymes with third space podcast exactly. It's an exact rhyme because it's <laughs> it says the, the same word. words over and over. It's not, it's not a rhyme, I don't think. I mean, it it does rhyme, but I don't know if it is a rhyme. <laughs> I don't even want to think about it. Sorry, I totally. But but I, I don't totally know that I read. I don't yeah. don't read a whole lot of poetry unless I'm looking for something, whether it's um, inspiration or like I don't mindlessly just peruse poetry. So I guess, again, that's like where I will mindlessly watch videos or even start reading a novel kind of mindlessly. But if I'm looking up poetry, it's like, oh, I want to articulate a thought about love. So I want to read some love poetry and see if it helps me get there. Um, so again, like it's like more, de I, I'm demanding more of it in that case. So. Yeah, one other thing to me just of note about poetry is that and maybe it is because of the structural difference, but when I have a hard time understanding what is being said in in much much poetry, like it's almost like song lyrics. Song lyrics too, because they're uh, I don't want to use the word contrived exactly, but that's what they are. Like they're they're not natural speech; they're unnatural speech combined, you know, in some artistic manner. And so, like, when I listen to songs, which is spoken poetry, you know, uh, I often don't even hear or understand the lyrics. It's all about the melody to me. Um, and with poetry, it's easy for me to do the same thing. Like, I kind of just read it, and I get caught in the structure of it or the rhyme, and then whatever the message is just basically does not sink in. So poetry is not an effective method of communicating with Bennett, with me. Um <laughs> It doesn't. It doesn't work that way. Now that could be because I don't read a lot of poetry, and so I'm not, you know, I'm not practiced at deciphering it. Um, but that's just the way it is. Stephen Fry has a really good piece on language, and he talks about like there's this great. I wish I had the quote, but he's like, or do you let language be joyful and frothy and giddy and and he just uses some fun words and it's just for the sound sex of it mm -hmm. and like you know sound sex doesn't make any sense but he just he threw them together because at, at, when he's like stringing together this loquacious funness <laughs> I'm trying to I'm trying to remember that joke when I was trying to say big words and I couldn't oh, back in our yeah, old video yeah. uh, onomatopoeia <laughs> um, but so so when you were talking about the structure or just getting caught up in the or maybe it's just a weird phrase or a pairing of words that maybe maybe as the poem's being read or you read it your eyes are might be keep keep going on the on the poem, but you're really thinking about those two that weird pairing of words. Well, like this is good. Like we need a place. I, I think we need a space to like. There's a lot of play with words. There's a lot of joy and like 
and and it doesn't have to be intellectual even it really can be just like wow this is goofy weirdness fun and it's not trying to be humorous either it's just playful um and i think poetry is a good space for that and so maybe it might not be a good way to communicate to you if you want to communicate like a concrete message uh, but maybe it is a good way to communicate to you for just like uh creative like play <laughs> structurally maybe um what you just said uh, made me think of something, though. Like, I wonder if there's not a historical reason why perhaps poetry is less popular or considered more cheesy. Like, if you rewind time a few hundred years back to before much of the population was literate and, and they didn't have books in their homes, maybe they, their vocabulary wasn't that expansive, hearing a poem especially, you know, if it's like a set to music or something like that would have been exciting because it's, it's something they've never heard before. There are words used that they're not familiar with put in an interesting way and yeah. it's short and brief, right? So it's not laborious for them to hear or, or read it. And so it was exciting. Whereas now, you know, people are bombarded with words all the time maybe not novels anymore, but they're still reading stuff all the time. And obviously most people are literate in our, um, in our society anyway. And so poetry is kind of past its prime in it's a way. It's less special. It's less special. Regard. Right. And it the doesn't. Teenagers write it about their breakups. You I know? mean, and maybe not <laughs> even that, you know, like maybe, maybe even that is a little bit tacky at this point. What do you think? Do you do, do teens still do that? You're you're hip with the you're raw. You're on the raw edge of. I might not be on the raw edge because I don't. Uh, well, no cap. I, mean, I love you. No cap. You're my bay. And I mean, I think things like the physical you journal have you slap. fallen out. That's it, right? No cap and slap. They those no are cap, two. You slap. Yeah, you're. That's you're good. Hip, man. I'm a poet. <laughs> you got it. You're and you. I'm yeah. not even aware of my own potential. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I think when I picture teenage angsty poems that get criticized because, you know, they're cliche and stuff, um, I think of journals and scribbles and, uh, physical texts that have like these sorts of things like journals with stickers in them. And like, I don't know, we just like, we've lost a lot of this tangible media or, or, Mm-hmm. this outlet of recording things that way so along with that perhaps like physical journaling you know like there's journaling digitally. Where, where has where has that gone where has that that energy gone yeah where, I mean, I where does think, where's it moved to now i mean you, well i'm trying to think because like obviously you can do and people do and you do a, a digital journal so or a, a poem can transform to like Pinterest, maybe Pinterest took all the poetic energy. <laughs> mm-hmm. Seriously, like some sort of like the the vi- visual. Like when you say visual poetry, you just say an art, and if you say like, uh, or you say ling- linguistic art, is it just poetry? You know, yeah. um, I mean, like you said at the beginning of the discussion, that kind of full circles it. But like Pinterest is a blend between the two, whereas like okay, I think it gets put put into like quotes and meme quotes almost or memes uh or memes themselves <laughs> um but probably more in the like taking a profound quote um dressing it up with an image um 
or bits of poetry or writing their own things. Uh, yeah, I think that that's where that energy would go, if I'm guessing. Hmm. Uh, because I, but the collection, I think what gets lost and maybe that was never, it's kind of like, where does, where are DVD collection, where does that energy go or VHS collection? Like VHS went to DVD and DVD went to Blu-ray in terms of where those energies toward purchasing like the media. Yeah. But like, now where did that just, energy go? It just well, it got did, channeled into it, monthly streaming. Yeah, like that's where the money went anyway. But like, where did where did it like when you would come over or like where did my pride go in my collection? Where it was like this reflects my tastes, and I'm proud of the fact that if you look at all my movies on my shelf, oh, Daniel likes dramatic, intellectual, artsy film festival type stuff, and like I took pride. <laughs> you know, I would take pride in something like that with. With you know a splash of some action and horror and B movies and all this other things and like and I'd be proud of that. Uh, I, I, that's it's so it's one less way to uh, show my identity. But yeah. I don't think that there's a shortage of that. That's the unfortunate thing with social media. It's like oh you want you want to show your identity. Here's some politics and here's a quiz on which harry potter avatar or from mind animal you are like so there's no shortage of like expressing yourself that's where that energy is gone yeah well that (laughs) sucks because it seems more shallow to me anyway yeah like even though the movie thing really doesn't reflect my identity it kind of it i mean it it reflects real preferences in a way that you have to earn a shelf of movies because right. that's a lot of films to watch and like enough to go drop the 20 bucks on or whatever. Right, right. So so that says something. Whereas, Spe- speaking uh, of which, like it, you said someone w- walks in and looks at your movie shelf, they see intellectual f- f- film festival pieces. And if they walk in and look <laughs> at my bookshelf, they see... what. Why do you have three hundred ter- absolutely terrible movies? <laughs> All your B movies. Yeah. Like, why? Why yeah. are? Why do you have quad? Literally quadruple the amount of terrible movies that you do good movies. Like, what's wrong with you? <laughs> it would be very funny if there was. There used to be a dating show on MTV, and I don't remember what it's like, but like they snatch them out of their beds and then they'd have to watch their potential date go through their bedroom so if i'm imagining like go through your whole house right they get to see who is bennett and they like you know they see your guitar and they see your artwork on your wall <laughs> they think I'm just... pretty weird <laughs> <laughs> yeah well it's funny because you don't like you and like home decor like whatever you're more utilitarian and pragmatic in that respect. i don't have i have zero serious <laughs> decorations yeah yeah. so you don't have serious decorations you have like goofy like stuff with a story behind it joke paintings and a bunch of b-movies that they they would they totally misinterpret those signs pretty like pretty pretty severely i would guess oh man have you have you ever seen the uh, i don't know if it's a meme or what but it's a picture of like an, a pretty empty apartment room with a single recliner and a TV on like a milk crate. And it says something like guys, what it takes to yeah, make a man happy. Here. Well, yeah. guys can live in a room like this and not see any problem or something like that. That's kind of, that's kind of what my apartment is like. It's not quite that bad, but it's like, I yeah. Mean, just, if I'm thinking there was a contrast one of like what it takes to make a man happy or like the reason women or women are annoyed that this is what it all it takes to right. make, make a man happy or some sort of joke like that and there's i think that there's some real truth like 
to a lot of men that's yes. just like yeah just like like give me the tv and the comfortable seat and like i'm good um and then like and i actually remember seeing that argument because that is an argument at some level and it's like why why am i caught up in because i'm a big aesthetic i want like the feng shui and the, the candles and the smells and the nice like art and a blank wall bothers me and all and i don't know if i'm just i mean i might just be uh, gay like <laughs> maybe so uh, no but like i think i think i'm just susceptible maybe maybe i'm told like you need to have decor to, to be a sensible adult and like and then i'm like okay well what maybe i just bought into that idea without questioning it and then i thought what what sorts of cool decor do i like i don't um, I, that does not that's not convincing to me like that just at some point in the past you got swindled by this idea like I tend to think it's more of a temperamental thing. Like there's something there's something about your personality that makes aesthetic, uh, uh, you know, aesthetic decoration valuable. That makes to you. that sounds more believe. I'd like to believe that. I really do. Would I just when I was a little boy and maybe even in it was around college. Actually, I was super interested in decorating my dorm room with like a Corona banner and like have like like it was just cringy like college stuff like i wanted black lights mm -hmm. and like pictures of like attractive women and like just like i wanted to make the room look like a bar or a cool po college party or ugh, yeah right. just sure uh, but but i cared as the point is i did care about decorating my my room a lot i'm just trying to think like when did that come about um, I don't know if you remember when I was younger, like we did paint our, uh, one of my walls dark blue and put stickers, all, uh, 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 glow in the dark stars all over it instead of the ceiling. Cause we had like a cheesy popcorn ceiling or whatever. I do vaguely, uh, so do that. I vaguely remember that. And then, but that was my parent. My parents really drove that. I was young. I mean, mm -hmm. it was, it was there like the entirety of my childhood, probably all the way up. Like, do you think I was probably that like 15 years old and it was still that childish. your 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 family is notorious for having a lot of stuff in your house um yeah like we we've talked about the uh butt to seat ratio in your parents house before and that it's really uh i guess it's really low right there's only two butts in the house most of the time but there's like 50 seats or something yeah yeah and, i think it might have been and, higher but yeah yeah and not only butt to seat ratio but there's like little knickknacks and decorations and every stuff. surface has everything has three more items than it should right yeah so do you, do you think that that sort of milieu that you uh grew <laughs> up in that's poetic for you um influenced your taste and yeah, i thought and i would always have the well, I believe it's first of all it's fueled by my mom in terms of like she just loves and going going to like TJ Maxx or Ross dress for less and buying <laughs> knickknacky crap and it drives my dad crazy and it kind of annoys me because I find that stuff tacky. So you almost think I would have had a reaction against it and be like, I hate all this. Like I did go through a, I loved it. Like I did go through like a Ross and because they would have like metal sculpture artwork stuff and then i don't know if this is just me being a little bit elitist or what but i just started seeing those shops as really tacky and like and started to notice hey it's been five years and it's still the same metal artwork i mean yeah they might like it, it's just they're they're creating art and or things that appeal to the masses and it's just it's just not inventive it's not 
creative. It's not cool and unique and there's no story behind it. And so I started to really have a distaste for the mass-produced, unchanging, uninspired art that you find in Target's area target actually does an okay job with the keeping up with the like a a, a fresh aesthetic but like but still there's just something about that mass production versus like finding something weird and quirky at a uh uh i don't know like something local i guess so so i started valuing that a lot more but that comes with a premium price tag too and it makes me sound like a hipster as well and so it's like i don't know what to do um but did that did my parents affect i mean i would think so i just I really like decor, and I thought it would have been deterred by my distaste for my mo- my mom's particular aesthetic. Hmm. So, why don't, I don't like think she's an ugly decorator? To be clear, uh, I don't. I just think no, she over decorates. No. She just over like she just it's just and it is a distinct like it's like an older woman's sensibilities, and I'm not an older woman, so there's that too. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's the truth. <laughs> not yet, anyway. <laughs> not yet anyway who knows what the future holds <laughs> true huh. uh i'm i think that is a suitable podcast for that's today. a podcast i think that's a podcast <laughs> good for us raining it in i'm glad i'm proud of us i'm proud of you for being like you know that's good like, i mean i think like, we covered we it. introduce a new topic it'd be another 25 minutes and like no like we did we did it i think We're we keep to it we nailed and what we, we wanted we and we had a good uh a good little, uh, good little, good little talk. COVID and poetry. Got into yeah. third space a little bit. Yeah, I liked it. And we can good, round good it third out. space. Good little trip. Good trip. Do 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 do. It's over. Man, goodbye. Bye.